0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Recently, the VBC held its second annual Vetathon on Veterans Day, November 11th. Our first Vetathon was 24 hours long. We decided to cut that back. We did 12 hours, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. on 11 11, uh, to celebrate veterans and veterans' stories. Uh, one of those veterans appeared during the program his name is seth miller he is a 20-year air force veteran he's originally from the east side of detroit and after he left the service he wrote a book called the black collar mindset and he goes around doing speaking engagements he has a podcast Lots of energy, really great speaker. So, we decided to take that hour that he was on for the Vetathon and we edit it down and we're gonna bring it to you here as a Scuttlebutt. Uh, Seth was a really wonderful part of that 12 hour program. Um, and I thought it would be a great opportunity here uh, for our Scuttlebutt audience to hear a bit of his story if you may not have joined us for the full Vetathon. Uh, we will be doing that every year. Uh, From now on, the VBC will be producing the Vetathon, twelve hours of veteran stories, eleven a.m. to eleven p.m. on eleven eleven. It's easy to remember. So, if you're new to the Scuttlebutt, or if you're a fan of Seth Miller's, please look us up. You can check us out at our website, which is veteransbreakfastclub.org. We'd love for you to like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube for our podcast, The Scuttlebutt. uh, So you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And if you have any feedback on the Scuttlebutt, please email me, Sean S H A U N at veteransbreakfastclub.org. Org. I'd be happy to hear from you, and I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Seth Miller again during our second annual Vetathon. Enjoy the show. Seth, how are you?
1: I right. I am good. I am good, sir.
0: Thank you for joining us for uh, VBC Vetathon. Uh, you and I have had a couple conversations in the lead up to uh today's program um i was excited to to hear what what you have in store for the hour
1: okay okay awesome yes and um you know it's it, it's it, first of all i want to say thank you right todd thank you thank you sean and thank everyone for being on and happy veterans day for those you, day. yeah for those of you that are veterans and those that know individuals that serve because it is a uh it's a huge uh you know honor to do that so i just want to say thank you first and foremost
0: of course definitely and seth you're you're an air force veteran correct uh when did you join
1: so i joined in december 2nd 1998 okay get it yes
0: that was during a time of relative calm uh why did you decide to join
1: because of that because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right because it was calm and somewhere in my mind i thought that hey i could do a full career or excuse me, not a full career, at least four years without any um, disturbances, if you will, or even uh, deploying. And that was not the case.
0: Yeah, yeah. Things shifted drastically uh, September 11th. Uh, can you tell me how your service changed and how the how the Air Force changed uh, at that time?
1: You know what, here, as a matter of fact, I'll do it. Um, a little different because it changed prior to that. And oh. for, for those of you uh, that don't know, it's specifically like uh, individuals like Todd and he's stressed that he's never you know, served. So what I want to give you guys real briefly is a uh, uh, picture being a. 19-year-old individual waking up from a dream of just calmness, right? But you're waking up by the uh, an, an airplane descending that you're on, getting ready to land. You wake up around 125 different individuals on a large airplane. So you wake up confused, all right? You wake up confused because it's like, oh my goodness. First of all, what time is it? You're looking at your watch. You do realize that you have Probably been up in the air for about 12 hours. And in the back of your mind, if this isn't your first or second time on a plane, what type of plane can fly that long without passing a gas station and having to go? Okay, that's the first thing. So you're still confused. Like, okay, I have a piece of paper here with my orders stating where am I going. However, I can hardly pronounce it. And if someone gave me a map, I wouldn't be able to find it. So I'm still confused. Only 19 years old, coming from the east side of Detroit, right? Now, here I am, getting my bags and carry-ons, and I'm in the line getting ready to walk out of the airplane. Still slightly confused. This is when I am introduced to the sun. Hold on, it's not just the sun. It is the type of sun that you've that you've never seen before because you've never seen it this bright, as though this was the first time, right? And so it's uh, just amazing to see such a bright sun as though you can reach out and touch it. And then you're introduced with a horrific heat, okay? <laughs> the type of heat that can hug your soul, <laughs> right? And, and the first thing come to your mind is, wait a minute, AC is right back here. Let me turn around. Maybe I, I messed this thing up by signing my name on this dotted line. Because in my mind during peacetime, this was not supposed to happen. So not only are you confused about that, but this is what you're not confused about. You do know that you made a choice. You are not confused about the individuals that are back home that's rooting for you. You're not confused about the country that you said that you are going to serve. You're not confused about the individuals that you are with. You know that you all may come from different areas of the life, of world, but of the world, but you are going to and mission and serve for one reason, okay, together and to leave together. And so, on the other side of that sun is the future of continuing to serve. And so, it's an honor. And that's just a little glimpse of what it is to deploy the first time as a 19 year old. So, my life shifted way before September 11. This was maybe a year and a half of me coming in due to the kosovo uh event
0: uh so what you're describing really is just culture shock it was it something that you were like oh what did i get myself into or
1: absolutely yeah, absolutely because yeah. immediately after i came in the military got slightly acclimated to my job Next thing you know, they say, "Hey, Airman Miller." I said, "Yes, sir." You're about to deploy. I said, "No, sir. That's the wrong one. I have a common name, sir. You mean somebody else? Because this is not what I signed up for." They say, "No, sir. You are." And oh my goodness, first thing came to my mind was I need to call my mother because apparently someone lied to me.
0: <laughs> and how uh, how did your service change you? I you know you, you enlist. You, you did what four years total.
1: No, that was originally. However, I did four years, five times and change. (laughs) You re-upped.
0: You kept re-upping.
1: I kept re-upping because Mm -hmm. the thing is, even though I only wanted to do four and I was immediately heartburned by the fact that now I'm getting ready to deploy, I learned something about camaraderie. And prior to the military, I did not know what that meant. Even though I had friends, it's a difference. It's a difference to be able to surround yourself with individuals that are not where you're from, but you have a common interest and have a common goal. And then you can uh, uh, widen your aperture to different thought processes. And so I was more intrigued with uh, contributing, but also learning more from individuals. So that was one of the main things that helped me to grow, to realize that the things that I did learn and that, and that I knew in my small circumference of thought started to widen as I started to listen more not just to people but understand different cultures
0: and uh as you continue to re up um you know where are you sent what 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 was your air force is kind of weird because it's not MOS is it
1: would you mean no it's not MOS uh it's no but
0: like
1: a air uh, it's a afsc so essentially it's just the code that has your 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 job is uh, equivalent to that
0: And what was your job?
1: So when I first came in, I was considered uh, food services. Well, actually services underneath that is a multitude of different jobs. So you can either work on the grill, right, in the the kitchen. You can work in the storeroom. You can work at the gym. You could actually work at uh, lodging, mortuary affairs, just to name a few. But this is the kicker. My recruiter said, hey, Mr. Miller, you know, you did the ASVAP, and this is the test that you take to see what type of job or MOS that you can get. He said, yeah, you have a nice, you know, different options here. This is what he said. He says, but wouldn't you want to run a club? I said, what do you mean, run a club? You know, like a nightclub. You do not tell this to an 18-year-old kid. Of course, here I am. I see all these different jobs where I can learn to trade. I said, give me that one. Here it is, a year after that, I am on the grill making omelets. No, sir, you lied to me, but you got (laughs) me in, right? So that was just one of the other many jobs that I had.
0: Where did you move on to after that?
1: So after that, within services, I had the opportunity to work in the storeroom area to understand logistics, but with food ordering. Then I moved over to, uh, excuse me, the fitness center. So it was more than just um, handing out towels. I was learning how to put together diet plans and workout plans for individuals and to help contribute to different sports. But then it dawned on me, here I am, said that I was going to join the military, see the world and get a trade. I did not come in to be Chef Homeboy RD. I did not come in to be Richard Simmons. I did not come in for that. What is going on? So there's an opportunity in the Air Force when you have uh, chances to cross train. It's a small window. But just because I was working at the gym, I was just small enough to fit through that window and change my job. And so I changed my job uh, to heating and cooling, HVAC. And being an HVAC technician, and that gave me the opportunity to move from one base. My first base was in the middle of Missouri, Mm -hmm. talking about another culture shock, Detroit to the middle of Missouri in a town called Warnsburg or Knob Noster, excuse me. Okay. Then I changed my job. After six months of that training, then I go to, I'm transferred to Washington State McCord
0: you know this is not an area of the military that we get to dive into too much so it's it's definitely an area that i don't know much about and didn't actually honestly think existed i didn't know there would be like you run the gym like or you create can create training plans and you know i would think personally i think like oh i think drill instructor when i think like oh who creates training plans within the military um so you know was this something that uh you really like um uh, sunk your teeth into, and you felt like, okay, pushing forward through my career in the military, this is going to give me skills whenever I leave the military.
1: No, no, absolutely not. Uh, and oh. again, at this time, I'm at, uh, let's see, at the age of maybe 21 or 22. No, this isn't what, no, I wasn't interested in that. I could understand the benefits if that was something that I love to do. But I realized early on that I wanted something that I can take away from here that A, I can go anywhere in the world and do and B, I would be able to take care of a home, my own home. And it didn't matter how great I can cook. I did not have the passion for it. However, when I looked at the other jobs that I was uh, qualified for, I looked at heating and cooling and that's a trade. And that's something no matter where you go in the world, someone is either going to be too hot or too cold. (laughs)
0: <laughs> especially in detroit that yeah, that, yeah that's pretty bad winters up there absolutely um, so uh taking up to whenever you transitioned out of the military uh when did you decide to leave why did you decide and and what did you then develop afterwards
1: okay yeah that's absolutely so that was just the i would say the third or fourth job that i had but i had many other ones and okay. so before transitioning out there was a uh an older gentleman, well, I wouldn't say older gentleman, but there was a a mentor of mine that said something to me. And I want you guys to wrap your mind around this. He said, you are on the right bus, but wrong seat. Didn't really understand what that meant. I felt as though he was calling me kind of slow. You know, that's first thing come to my my, mind. What, I'm on the short bus? What are you saying? No, he wasn't saying that. He was saying that my talent skills and abilities could be utilized other places that can still serve the United States Air Force. So, when I was doing the normal job of heating and cooling, he moved me to another uh position as being a unit deployment manager. And That's so a big leap. Yes, it absolutely is, because not only was uh, was I able to deploy, well, at the time I've deployed, but now I am overseeing and managing over 350 individuals, their readiness, making sure that they have the right equipment, and making sure that they are heading downrange and coming back safely. Hmm. I did not know that. However, when you have a right mentor in your circle, they can see things in you that you may not be ready to see or want to see. And don't get me wrong. I was kicking and screaming. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Of course, I don't want to do that. What? Why would I want to do that? Oh, And while I'm still kicking and screaming, I'm doing a job, but I did not realize it was like, hey, you're doing really well at this. You, you know what you're doing? I said, no, I don't know. And I don't care. However, I didn't understand the impact. And so that's another thing being a leader when individuals are serving, it's, it's a great, it's a great time and great opportunity to explain to individuals how important they are when it comes down to the big picture, that they are a part of that picture. So took that job and did a couple of other jobs that were high visibility, but I realized something going back to your point, answering uh, your question, my uniform even though it was fitting fine, I was starting to outgrow it, mm-hmm. right? I was starting to outgrow it. And what, what I mean by that is all of the, the training that I've learned and that I acquired while I was serving, mm-hmm. I felt as though, okay, now I'm hitting a plateau. I know where my career could go. And it wasn't in a bad way after this time. It's about maybe 19, well, about 17, 17, 18 years and so it's dawned on me, hey, I'm not going to do this forever, but how can I exploit the things that I've learned to continue to serve? That's the key. Okay. And so at that yeah. time, I decided I need to put this in a book. Okay? So while I was serving in the capacity of the special plans and operations, uh, senior and CEO, I started writing on my off time. And I wrote a book called The Black Collared Mindset, The Art of Strategic Thinking. And that what I did was I took the things that I learned from Detroit, but also married that up with individuals that helped me throughout my time frame in my supposedly four years of enlistment. And but put it down into layman's form to let individuals know that if you follow your dreams, and that's what the black mo- black collar mindset comes from. Once you follow your dreams and understand it, you can utilize those things that's in front of you to capitalize and and, and catapult what you're currently doing, but also moving forward in that same thing. And so that gave me the confidence to take off one uniform and put on many other ones because I was um, betting on myself and betting on the things that the military had afforded me.
0: Would you say that this mentor is the one that really shifted you? Um, And what did it mean to you to have him in your your path uh, during your military service?
1: Well, no, I would not say that. He was the one. I would say he was one of the many. And what I mean by that is that throughout our life, I believe just... Figuratively and spiritually speaking, God gives us pebbles throughout our life, okay? Sometimes you pick them up and sometimes you don't, but every once in a while, he'll throw a brick at you. You understand (laughs) how to get your attention. And so I believe that certain times in my life, the right individual, the right spirit was there to really talk to me. And I, and here's another acronym, those of you that's at home writing this down or able to write this down. There's something that I hold true is wait. And that stands for, why am I talking? Why am I talking? Because if someone is willing to pour into you, you have to be open to receive it. Here you are at whatever age, if you think that you know it all, you are done. You're you're really done. So to answer your question, it wasn't just him. It was many of them, but I was able to uh, implement the things that they said at certain times of my life and my career and it helped me to uh, propel me to where i am today
0: yeah you had mentioned a couple of times where you're sort of kicking you screaming your way through these different jobs um is part of your book uh imparting that knowledge hoping that the the that somebody might pick this up and be able to make that mind switch you know change their mindset uh on their journey
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I would say one of the main things that an individual could get uh, from the book, The Black Collar Mindset, is understanding ego.
0: Okay, you have to define that a bit.
1: Yeah, okay. So ego, what happens is when individuals make certain decisions and they receive accolades from it, they feel as though that's it. What they fail to realize is that you have been working to get to where you are, but that work is not done. That's just part of the the journey, if you will. Okay, so it is a marathon. If individual if individuals understand what I mean, so you have to keep going. But your pride, the ego, and sometimes fear will prevent you from moving forward. Some individuals get comfortable. Some individuals will suffer from imposter syndrome because they don't believe in themselves. Okay, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I and within this book, I. Try to tell individuals in my own special vernacular that you have everything in you to be successful. Now, there's individuals that may come in and out of your life to help uh, amplify those things or to show you a mirror that say, hey, you're doing good, but you can do better. And as soon as you take those things personal, as though they are uh, that they are destructing your dreams instead of constructing your dreams, then you will stop. So that's what I mean by that. Sometimes our ego can prevent our growth.
0: I'm putting the link to your book here uh, in the chat for anybody who'd, who'd like to uh, give it a give it a look. Um, when did you become passionate about this? Like being able, like, and then saying, you know, I'm going to put this all down. I'm going to make sure that I can impart this knowledge that I'm gaining.
1: Oh yes, yes, absolutely. So, well, look, first of all, thank you for putting that link out there. But also, if anyone wants to have an autographed copy from me directly, they can go to setthespeaker.com, and I will sign it and send it out to you personally. But I realized that that was that was something that I wanted to do because I believe in being the change that you a want to see and B, that you wish you had. There are sometimes individuals choose not to uh, help out or to reach out because of that which they did not have. Well, I had to go through it the hard way, so they need to go through it too. No, that's silly. You went through things so that the next person don't have to. If you have all of this knowledge, why are you not sharing it? You can't take it with you. You get what I mean? So when I saw certain things within my life, within my career, I say, you know, I wish I would have known that. Since I said that, I'm sure I'm not the only one that think this way. So why would I want to set up someone else for failure? Not saying I failed, because I look at things as a lesson that manifests a blessing, all right? And that's the funny thing about life, and I'm sure you know this, that in school, you learn a lesson and then you test it. Okay, but in life you're tested first, and you say, like, "Oh, there you go. That's the lesson in that." So it's a little backwards, but luckily you can get up from that that lesson and re- and return back and to the individuals that are looking at you that see you as a beacon and help to share it and teach.
0: This is kind of a, 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 a extension of service. It, okay. uh, you see you hear a lot of veterans, yeah, that leave service and they find other ways to continue to give back. This is. In an inspirational way for you to do that. Uh, yeah. who is the book maybe specifically geared towards or who you hope really picks up uh, this message?
1: Well, actually this book is for anyone that is ready to make a shift in their life okay anywhere. It can be mentally, spiritually, financially or um, even within their occupation and I use this a lot when I talk to different uh, on different platforms with individuals that are transitioning from one job to another. Right. And so it's it's for anyone that is, I wouldn't say necessarily stuck, but they don't know that they can cash in on their intellectual property. Yes. 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 Because it's there. You can profit from your passion. It's just about putting it in the right order and Mm -hmm. understanding there are people that need not just want need what you have. Mm Just need what you have. You just have to find the right way, the right circle to help you put it in the right package and then let it go.
0: Uh, How long did it take you after you transitioned out of the military to get the book out and really start on this sort of second phase of your life?
1: Well, so that's the funny thing. I didn't wait until I got out. I wrote the book. I was still in, and I would take leave when there was times when there was opportunities for me to go and speak and teach and everything. I would take time off and go. I would just leave because I did not want to wait for the the opportunity. I made the opportunity. And that's another thing, too. There's some individuals, and I was once that individual until I got out of my own way, that you have to wait to do the things that you truly want to do. And that's not true. I believe that if we were to really analyze our time, we will see that we will have more time to do the things that we truly want to do right? But we choose not to do that. So there were things that I had to say no to in order to say yes to the future that I currently, that I'm working towards. Now, there was things I had to say no to back then.
0: What were the type of things you had to say no to?
1: Okay. For example, I moonlight as a DJ, right? DJ Scooby is my name, right? 313. But there's times when I just can't go to that gig. I need to I need to read. I need to sharpen up on this next event. I'm connecting, you know, with, with with you guys today. So I can't do everything. Here's the thing. I can do anything. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. So when do you say no? And not just that. The other thing is I had to learn how to set boundaries. That means people that I know, love and trust, I had to say, hey, I cannot do that right now. And those individuals that's online with your with your uh, definiteness of purpose, they will understand and say, okay, because I remember how many times you said yes, but it's the individuals that you've said yes to a million times. And that one, no, oh, and then the whole world you know crumbles down. Those are the ones to watch out for and to move them over to the side. So that means there's times when I had to say no, and I had to say no to my flesh, if you will. Oh, I just want to do this. So what? Your future mm-hmm. doesn't care what you want
0: um would you say that uh the, the mentors that you've had after service have helped to then continue to develop or have you flipped the switch and now you're the mentor
1: well you know i had to realize this it's like that old saying when the when the student is ready the teacher will come All right and i believe that there's been times when my mentors may have said something to me and they said it and they dropped it and they didn't know what I was going to do with it. However, I come back and show them what I did with those jewels, with those, with, with, with the things that they gave me. And then they let me know, Hey, I see what you did. Now I'm inspired to do more with that. And I, I, I'm still the mentee, but then I listen to not to what, I say, I am, I listen to what individuals say I am to them. Right. And so if an individual can say, Hey, I really appreciate that. This is where, uh, this is what I learned. For example, true story. And he may be watching now a great friend of mine. He's a, uh, he's a retired, uh, Colonel full board Colonel. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I retired before him. He retired, uh, later on and he said, hey, Scooby, you know what you're going to do? What you gonna... No, he didn't ask me what was I going to do. He saw what I was doing. So we didn't talk about this, but immediately after uh, getting coming out of the military, I still wanted to serve. I ran for alderman in my city. It didn't win. However, the the mayor that was running at the same time saw me and contacted me and said, hey, I'm kind of glad you didn't win because I want you to be my HR director for, the, for my municipalities and for this administration. So... That was something that my mentor saw. And so he says, well, man, how do you feel? Are you afraid? And, you know, because he knew that his his next chapter was getting ready to end. and I said, absolutely, I'm afraid right now, but I know it's going to be okay. So it's a difference between unknowing and just a fleshy feeling. And so he ended up transitioning and doing different things. And he called me just the other day, he said, hey, I just want to call you and say thank you because I needed to hear what you had to say. (laughs) And right then and there, he let me know that he, not only did he appreciate it, but that's part of mentoring. And the relationship isn't always older and younger. I believe it's about truth. It's euphoric, and it's an exchange of encouragement, the iron sharpening iron. So as long as that's happening, then we're in a working relationship.
0: Seth, you strike me as somebody who just has a very positive outlook on life in general, uh, consistently. Um, and I want to get to DJ Scooby because I, I need to know why <laughs> I need to know why you pick DJ Scooby as, as your, as your, uh, what'd you say your handle? DJ name.
1: Yeah. DJ name.
0: It's mm-hmm. like a gamer tag. It's like a, it's like your, that's, that's what, like, how do you select that?
1: Well, so if, you know, it's funny, <laughs> you don't select the it- name, the name selects you.
0: Okay. I was going to say, if you were like an Air Force pilot, like you right. get to be Maverick, you get to, but they usually select it for you. So, yeah, yes. this is the symbol. Okay.
1: Same thing. However, long story, but I'm going to shut it down. Right, right. We'll close it in. In the winter of 82. I'll give you that. But anyway, <laughs> I was young young baby at the time, two years old, and I had a winter suit on and my father and my mother and my father, we were going to the store that wasn't far from the street, but this was in the winter time, had on a snowsuit and I'm mesmerized by this snow. This is my first time really looking at snow and walking with this big snowsuit. Just picture a little chocolate kid looking like um, the, the boy on the Christmas story, just big and, you know, just walking, you know, walking around. And then so my father's saying something to me and apparently I'm not hearing him or paying attention. And he said, Hey hey, what are you doing? And I look up and my nose is sweating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and he just starts laughing and say, look, his nose is sweating like Scooby-Doo. You know, <laughs> now my father's from Ghana, Africa. And so just picture this, this harsh accent. Oh, like Scooby-Doo. Uh-huh. So ever since then, it's been Scooby. And since i got pretty good on, my,
0: uh, on the ones and twos, it's been DJ Scooby. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, that brings up a really interesting question, because where your father's from, you know, and coming to America, what what did he say when you said, I'm going to join the military, I'm going to go into the Air Force?
1: Well, so so there were some things that happened uh, between my mother and him. So when I decided to come into the military, he was back in Ghana at the time. And so when um when he did find out he was just very proud and you know there were certain things that he did in his uh life that was kind of parallel right but i did not realize it until after getting out the military because you know you have individuals that are pro you but not pro-military, right? Mm-hmm. So they're pro-you, they're, they just don't care about war and things of that nature. Um, however, when I transitioned into the politics, he told me that there was a time he was appointed as a, a government official there in Ghana as well. For example, I did not run to be the HR director for you know for the city. This is just not just having a desire to serve, but individuals see that servitude and say, OK, this is something that can help out, right, our administration or even our city. So when I talked to my father about that, he shared more about his life. And we were just just amazed, right, that being separate, right, you know, from 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 different parts of the world, but still having that servitude spirit
0: brought you closer together. Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, as This is a, a very quick station identification here. This is the Veterans Breakfast Club, uh, our Vet-a-thon, which will be going all day, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. We're talking with Seth, the Speaker Miller, um, about his service in the Air Force and also uh, his time as a motivational speaker. And now we have more to get into with Seth. We, our, uh, our mission is creating communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and, and inspire. If you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, welcome to the social media side. You're welcome to join us also in the Zoom room uh, by going to our website, veteransbreakfastclub.org. We'd love to see you in here. And if you have any questions uh, for Seth, please feel free to put them into the chat, raise your hand here on Zoom. You can also put them into the chat on uh, YouTube and Facebook, where we're also monitoring uh, our viewers. Um, And thank you everyone for being here and happy Veterans Day. Um, Seth, uh, you now have, I think, two podcasts. You're a busy man. Uh can you talk a bit about uh what what the Seth the speaker like the brand is and and what you're providing for for everyone
1: okay, no absolutely well, so first of all, the first podcast is named the Lions' Den with Seth, and this is how it was birthed me and a group of fellow veterans, but we were probably, we we're still in at this time. We would just come over to my house, maybe drink a little bit, but we talk about things that we can do better as mentors and as leaders and, and just plan out our careers, right? And then it would start to get deeper and deeper. Somebody had the great idea, hey, we should get a microphone to record this because it's getting too good. And I don't want to get too saucy and forget about this. Right. So we would. I got a microphone and we would just talk about, talk about it. And then it dawned on me, why don't we just hit record and see what happens? And it skyrocketed from there. It skyrocketed from there. So not only did we do uh, uh, we started the podcast with one microphone, it grew to one microphone, to four microphones. And then I said, okay, I'm tired of everyone wanting to come into my basement because I have everything over here. Let's get a brick and mortar. So we end up getting a brick and mortar to to, uh, to do things offsite. Then it grew even more. We end up having a, an, a studio audience, right? People will come just to listen to what we were going to talk about. And Alliance Den with Seth is all things leadership, growth and development, but with a call to action. And so we would talk about it. And all of a sudden, here come COVID. right? And so what do you do? What do you do? Well, you get virtual. So instead of us shutting everything down, I just got a little bit more equipment, we all chipped in and made sure that we were virtual. So we can still not just connect with individuals, but we can now connect with more of the world. Now, Do that, now we're on our third year and great, great response, all right? Have a following of over 10,000 individuals worldwide. But then something else happened as I transitioned out of the military. I realized, well, not just realized, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Keep this in mind, we didn't talk about this. I had five different deployments all around the the world. And there, unfortunately, there were some things that happened. But the good thing is with the right therapy and the right individuals in your circle, the healing process can move forward. So the next podcast is called Healed with Seth. It's either a monologue with myself given different type of skills or and tips on how to uh, help you through your journey of healing, or I will have a dialogue with other individuals that have different levels of trauma. And they talk about the activated event of their body or their brain may have processed it. And what was the consequences of that and how they made the choice to go towards the uh, the road to heal? And that's what the two podcasts are.
0: You know, I I host the BBC podcast, The Scuttlebutt. is a perfect, sorry, segue for me to be able to mention it, mainly because of what you're just talking about is, is healing from trauma. Um, and I've noticed that uh, I've had many guests on over the last 25, 30 episodes uh, talking about their different, ways that they have uh, of healing from trauma everything from stellate ganglion block to um equine therapy uh recently had somebody on that has a nonprofit called the knife hand uh company um that is connecting veterans with uh grappling martial arts uh, or as todd would call it wrestling
2: Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but grappling martial arts to be able to uh work through their therapy about by doing grappling martial arts is there a particular um uh way that you have found to be your your the one that you respond most to or are you are there ones that you say I would promote this particular way?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well <clears throat> first thing is the accountability piece. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's times when things happen to you and they suck. They suck. Okay. They're they're they don't feel good. But when you can realize first that this happened How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? And how can I turn this, I guess, this wound into a a, a beauty mark? How can I make the best out of this? So with my therapy, uh, it was found to be more uh, helpful for me to reframe the thought process, to reframe the situation that happened. How do you, what happened? Yes, we got that. Now, what would you do different? Not just what would you do different, how do you speak about it? Because with that being said, a lot of things that we say gives power to our future. Everything that happened in the past is done and over with. But if you keep feeding negativity into what has happened, you're bringing in that negativity currently. So keep this in mind. It's not about remembering the past. You can remember the past, all right? There's some good things that happened in the past so you can honor the past. But the issue is not to live in the past. And I realized that part of my healing process was letting go of that past so I can move forward with, with uh, more ease, right? And not all this heavy burden of guilt, of shame, or just the stigma of trying to get help because I thought I can you know, fix myself and keep this in mind. I tell this to individuals a lot that if your car if you get a flat tire on your car, okay, you're not going to find, you're not going to go into your phone or go on the internet and look for an interior decorator to fix it. What what are you doing? Right? Because, hey, your, your house might look better, but you still got that flat tire. So I believe the most important thing is going to the right places to fix the right things. Just because you've been with yourself for over 20, 30, 40, 50 years does not Mean that you know all of the intricate details on how to fix those things that may have been disrupted. So that's what helps me.
0: One thing that really stuck out to me, what you just said, was how do you speak to it? How how? And and that doesn't necessarily mean talking about it. Though here at VBC, you know, a lot of what we do is telling veterans stories, and I think veterans find a lot of healing through telling their story. Right. Um, and I've witnessed that. Uh, but but like I mentioned with the grappling martial arts. This, They said that sometimes they're not speaking. Sometimes they're doing. They're doing something physical, that there are ways to work through things without actually talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. And another way of doing that brings us right to where we are today, serving. Mm -hmm. Serving. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can hear this voice, understand that you will have less time talking about your woes if you are focusing on serving other people. If you are helping other individuals and if you are putting yourself in situations and, and environments where you see individuals that's living worse, if you will, than you, you're looking at hardship, hardship, and then now you can have different conversations like, whoa, I remember being in this accident, but this individual is still like they're holding on to dear life. I'm blessed. See, watch the conversation. I'm blessed that I was able to walk away from that. This individual can use my inspiration. So let me do, let me get out of my stinking thinking and go and connect with someone else that can use this because now we're on a common ground. We can connect with each other. Mm-hmm. See, and then that's therapy that's another way of therapy because you're serving someone else and you're helping you're seeing your level of connectivity change the uh or not necessarily change but influence a person's attitude and then that in turn would do the same thing to you
0: so yes um and you, you have kids? Yeah, I do. I'm sure that they are they ha- <laughs> I can only imagine what the conversations are like around your dinner table. <laughs> oh,
1: it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I promise you it is. It is.
0: If uh, if your kids came, to you said, I want to join the military. Uh, what advice would you say to them? Would you encourage them to do it?
1: First, I would ask them why.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's all. And I would truly listen. And I would not um, frighten them, nor would I boost it up. But what I want them to do is to be better than me. Not saying that I made the wrong choice or the right choice, but I want them to be able to think for themselves. And I'm a huge, huge proponent in individuals knowing how to think, especially my children. So I want them, if they say, hey, dad, I really want to, you know, do the Air Force or go to the military. Okay, why? What do you want to get from it? right? If you just want to travel, you don't need to do that. Save your money. You can go where you want to go. Why do you want to serve the military and then, or within the military, serve the country? And then I will paint a picture of what that looks like, a realistic, you know, uh, uh, a picture of what it looks like to truly serve and to let them know it's an honor to do it, even though it may be some thankless times and those hours suck too. You get what I mean? You may be in a place, you know, you're in a nice suburban home, but ever been to Minot North Dakota, okay? You you ever had your mind blown away from the cold or ever been to the, the depths of Afghanistan and you see pallets of water, but the water itself is even 100 degrees. <laughs> so it's things like that, that you have to acclimate your mind to say, hey, I want it so bad. I'm willing to not just go through that. I'm willing not to quit before my time is over. With I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do things outside of myself. So when I'm having these conversations with my with, with my uh, with my children, I am looking for key words. They want to serve others.
0: That's good. That's good advice, and um, and I'm sure it's also along the lines of it's not. Probably going to be what you expect it to be based off your personal story of like going in 98 and what, you know, all the things that you were going through during that time.
1: That's right. That's right. Right. I mean, just by having the thought process. Oh, there's no such thing as war right now.
0: We're good.
1: You don't know that. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Right. Just be prepared. Make sure that you you're doing your research. And it's a difference between being told something and you learning something two different things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: different things.
0: Um, I want to I want to switch real quick to your time. It was it HR director. Yes. So uh, what did you learn through your time in the Air Force that that helped you uh, in that in that role?
1: Boy, I tell you one thing, people are people. That's it. It was so simple. It's so simple. People are people.
0: People. And not many people, sorry to interrupt, not many people would find that I know, to yeah. be as, as simple. They, would, they would find it to be difficult and every person has their own opinion and I have to do this for this person. Because and this they group
1: do, and, you know, yeah. they do. But uh, So it gave me, honestly, it gave me the opportunity to operate in grace. In grace, sometimes we expect here it is. And let me make sure I get close here. Sometimes we expect us from other people. So -hmm. therefore, we have a mismanagement of expectations. But when you give individuals the latitude to just be who they are, you're still serving. All right. Once you find out your 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 left and your rights, but you're still helping someone out. For example, people think, oh, HR fired me. No. You fired yourself, <laughs> you know, because you knew what you were supposed to do and you knew you made a decision. I tell this to my kids and I had to tell to, you know, adults there's two C's in the world choices and consequences. It doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. So, whatever choice you decide is going to be a consequence. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow. Right. It's all like it's kind of glooming over there, but. This is your job so what i do is i just sit back and i listen to individuals and ask them how can i help move things out of your way so you can be the best version of yourself
0: that's it uh, a good question came in from uh vincent uh in the chat here for you seth he says mm-hmm. uh your your advice would it be different other than you know from your kids wanting to join the military how is how would that advice be compared or be different sorry uh, to a friend or an acquaintance or somebody that regular that you, that asks uh, about the military, or joining the military? How would that advice be different between your kids and, you know, an acquaintance or a friend or someone you, someone you just meet?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I believe it's based off of the, um, based off of the relationship, right? So when it comes down to my kids, we know, but those of you that have one or two kids, you know, the, the good ones, right? You know, the ones that can pick up what you're putting down and you know, the ones that may need some they need some help, right? But when it comes down to individuals outside of my family, I just listen to and to them and I answer questions. Okay. I don't uh persuade, I just answer questions. Hey, what do you think about this? Boo, 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 boo. Well, I heard this. Well, I served. Then I asked them what information did they hear? And did they hear information from an individual that served or they were afraid to, and they're just regurgitating things that they saw on TV. So once I find out where the individual is knowledge wise then I will see if it's even worth having a conversation because sometimes it's not.
0: Uh where do you go now to to speak and to uh you know be be a motivational speaker where do they what do you where do you do it?
1: Okay, so I did a year of the municipalities, and I realized that I did not give myself enough time to take off one uniform and put on another suit. Right, so I resigned uh, from that, uh, from that uh, occupation. Even though I loved it, don't get me wrong, it was just.
0: Uh, I, I have to interrupt one more time, and yes. I'm sorry because you said yes. something I think really important. There is that you didn't give yourself enough time from one uniform to the next. Absolutely. How did you? How did you decide on that? What? What changed, or what made you think like? I, I can't commit myself totally to this because I haven't let go of that.
1: Well, it was a couple of different things. Well, the first thing is I believe I was operating out of haste, okay? Right after getting out of the, out of the military, there are certain things that go through individuals' minds as as they're transitioning. It's, am I still good enough? Am I going to take care of my family? Can I still have a job? Right? Can I still get a job? Can I do this? And I believe the higher self of me knew that, knew that I would be okay. But my, I guess the ego again, no, 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 I got to do this. I got to do this. And in actuality, I didn't until I took a step back and realized, wait, I'm, I'm tired. And not only am I tired, I don't have to do this. So then I asked myself, is this what you want to do? The answer was yes, but in a different capacity. So now to answer your question, after uh, transitioning from that within the same week, I had a conversation with the Air Force Wounded Warriors. Okay, Air Force Wounded Warriors is different than the Wounded Warrior Project. Air Force Wounded Warriors. I helped to usher them into. Well, helped to usher them with the uh, a program on Scott Air Force Base when I was active but I had a conversation with them afterwards and they asked me the same thing. Hey, what are you doing now? Because they knew the things that I was doing on podcasts and things like that. And they asked if I was interested in being a speaker and being a contractor with them, since I have a business, I said, sure, no problem within, uh, let me see a month after that, I was in Colorado speaking to air force wounded warriors and caregivers. And then a couple of months after that, I'm in Texas. And now I'm flying out tomorrow, no, tomorrow, Saturday, Right. Yeah. Saturday. So Sunday to D.C. to do the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just, you know, getting in front of people. I think the most important thing is still serving in your natural habitat, whatever that is, and being able to connect with people authentically.
0: Um, And would you say that sort of is your is your passion in life now connecting with people authentically?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The more you do it, the more you, you feel energized, but then you can realize that not every door, not every open door is meant for you to walk through. And then you will start to analyze your emotional bandwidth. Say, hey, wait a minute. Um, no, I can't do that. I would love to. I can't. But here, let me call someone else. To mm-hmm. you know, see if they can do it for you, because I, I really can't do that. Not that I don't want to, but it may be outside of my wheelhouse, or maybe it's requiring too much stress that I don't really have to take on at this time. It's OK. It's all right.
0: If you look back at young Seth before Seth joined the Air Force, mm-hmm. what would you go back and talk with him about? How would you set him up for success?
1: Mm, good question. Boy, I would say, well, cut your dreadlocks off two years prior instead of one, because I had dreadlocks, (laughs) y'all, seriously. Um, (laughs) I I would say, I would say, hey, listen to the individuals that is your co-captain, right? Your co-pilot, not the individuals in the backseat, not the backseat drivers, because those individuals in the backseat, they don't have license. And you have the steering wheel, idiot. (laughs) So why are you listening to other fools, right? And then I will also say, and I will utilize this, that not everyone that's in your boat is rowing. So analyze the ones that are there and the ones that may be drilling holes in your boat now. So if I could do that back then, let's say 16, 17, maybe 18 prior to coming in, I think I would be more... Uh, mentally prepared for the military and the transition from leaving Detroit coming to, let's say the middle of Missouri wouldn't be such a shock. Now mm. the the place, right? When I first got there, I'm seeing little things go around a, a tree. I'm like, Hey, what is this? And the guy that was taking me to the base, he said, Oh, those are turkeys. I said, turkeys, like turkey, turkeys. I've only seen butter balls, you know, wrapped up. <laughs> But these little things going around a tree, what are they doing? What am I doing in the military? Stop it, right? So if I had the conversation with myself early on, then I believe I would be more, I believe my aperture of knowledge and information would be, you know, just more receptive.
0: It's fantastic. Uh, we're getting close to the the top of the hour again as we continue on with our our a thon Todd, uh, would you have any questions for Seth?
2: I have a lot. This is a very engaging conversation, Seth. Thank you very much for coming on. You have a lot to share. And I think a lot of people on, I'm looking through our Zoom room, I see a lot of people who are new to the Veterans Breakfast Club, who I haven't seen in one of our events before. I see some familiar faces also. I also know that Uh, we, you, you people need to ask to unmute themselves. I want to invite people. If they have a question for you, Seth, simply to let us know, they can wave their hand like this. They could put on their zoom hand. They could put something in the chat and would be happy to unmute you and have you, uh, ask Seth directly. I've been taking notes a little bit, Seth, as you've been talking and, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to sum up what you keep on coming back to time and again, and that is, one thing is, people need to examine their lives. <laughs> I mean, you know, have to kind of wake up and start examining their behavior, their choices, their, their environment, yeah. um, and asking questions of it in a curious way for the first time. Yes. Sometimes that's what it means, right? Absolutely. And question those things that you haven't questioned before. That's right. You make it sound easy, Seth. None of that stuff is easy. No, it's not. Uh, you know, it, it's not. But I tell you what, if the
1: juice is worth the squeeze, you'll squeeze it. That's it. Right. You will You That's will it. squeeze it. So so you have to keep doing it till it becomes easy to you, you know, and being able to hold yourself accountable. That's one thing. Right. So when you take the matrix pill and you wake up, It's not your responsibility to be Morpheus to everyone else because not everybody else is ready to get what you have. Some people are comfortable sleeping, let them sleep. They'll see your hard work and the individuals that do want to connect with you, they will. And it's okay. But that's
2: what it's about. Ultimately is grace. This is really profound. This is really Mm -hmm. profound stuff, Seth. I mean, you know um, it's really, I think it's something that you don't have to be a veteran to benefit from. And um and, but you do have to have that experience. I think you have to have a certain amount of experience that you're able to start reflecting yes. on your life. Yes. Right. Yes,
1: yes. And I would say that experience comes from working with individuals that don't look like me, that don't think like me, but challenge me. Right. Now, not everyone has that same spirit. I'm not a highly confrontational individual, but what I am what I, what I do is I, I I confront life hard, direct. And so if individuals give me the, the, the authentic, you know, their authentic self, that just inspires me to do the same thing. Say, I love it. Okay, cool. Let's do that. That's different. I'm not comfortable doing that, but I know that if I'm not comfortable doing it, I'm going to grow because I either know one or two things, two things this is outstanding. I want to continue doing it. Or this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore, but I have to get outside of myself and connect myself and connect with individuals that want, here's the other thing that wants the best for me. That wants the best for me. Mm
2: -hmm. And they understand who I am. And I think the best for anybody and for anybody to grow, it's got to be challenging You've got to do something that you're not quite comfortable with, yeah. something new, something challenging, some a struggle. Even, I, I mean, I hate to put it this way, Seth, and I don't mean to demean trauma, yeah. but oftentimes trauma is the trigger yeah. for change and growth. Trauma can be, uh, 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 you know, the the birth of a of of transformation.
1: Absolutely, no, no, I love that, and yes, you're absolutely right, and I would I will go so far as to say. That is the best things after having conversations with people. And this is real conversations. The best things are birthed through trauma. Once you understand that it didn't necessarily happen to you, it happened for you. And you're saying, whoa. I mean, you think about it. Like if you're Marvel fans out there, think about how the superheroes got their power. They, Something crazy happened to them. So don't get me wrong, those things don't have to happen for you to be great, but there's times when the universe, when God, your whoever it is that you believe in higher than yourself, have to get your attention to say, Do you understand how great you are? Do you understand that you have everything in you right now to be the best version of yourself? And sometimes you may be surrounded by idiots. Let's be completely honest. You may be surrounded by individuals that don't understand their own greatness. So how can they give you something that they don't have for themselves, and then life somehow, some way will find a way to trip you up? You hit your head. You're like, wait a minute, there I go, and that's what
2: happens. I got to tell you, Seth. Twenty years ago, I don't think I would have understood what you're saying. <laughs> right. But, but living, being older, yeah. having adult children, but also spending so much time listening to veteran stories, including veterans who've been through trauma and have come out the other end. They, 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 uh, there are many veterans I'm around who radiate greatness. That's yes. the only way I could put it. Yes, They often are Marines. Mm-hmm. They radiate a kind of a, a, a greatness that they, uh, and it, they're large people. They've endured big things. They've seen big things and they've come out the other end and they're willing to engage with people like me and share right. a little bit of the wisdom that they've learned along the way. And it's really yes. It's really wonderful. It keeps me going. And that's why I love the veterans community so much.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I continue to stay connected with the Air Force Wounded Warriors. And then even with you guys, right, just connecting with other individuals, because I love the, the stories of trauma and triumph. And I even love helping individuals to unravel their own gifts, because sometimes there's their their capes are just tucked so deep down in their suits right? Or in their uniforms that they they won't let it flow. Like, hey, do you understand You're, you're bigger than this? You can continue to do what you're doing right now for a paycheck, but you can also do something else that can serve other individuals so that the things that you're doing between your nine to five isn't so mundane,
2: right? Thank you, Seth, the speaker. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to go run through a wall now, Seth.
0: Thank you oh, for the jolt of energy. We need to, We, should have, we, should, have, on, we should have put you at like the 10 o'clock hour so that we would have the energy to like push through the rest of the way. Uh, I'm sorry. We talked too was, long. I'm sorry,
1: what, guys. No, this is oh, so what a great, great,
0: wonderful message and a wonderful hour. Thank you so much, Seth, for spending the time with us at Vedathon.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you again for this opportunity. And everyone, thank you all. Thank you all for serving. Thank you.